Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell on a Monday after the NFL playoffs are in full force. Are you aware there is a tennis major going on as well? You're a tennis guy. I am the Australian, right? Hey, yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on, but because I, <laughs> I just saw something on. I I actually like watching tennis. Right. I like watching women's tennis better than men's tennis. Okay. So actually, I'll be dialed in. I don't that. really dial into like the semis. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want to see I mean, all of these. Yeah. Not what I was alluding to. <laughs> I was not watching it last night. Right. Getting caught up. Uh, we got a big show for you. We have uh, Pete Prisco is going to join yeah. us just a little bit. He's going to help us break down the NFL, some NBA action too. Uh, there's a certain player who had his number retired, which is kind of a head scratcher. But we'll get to all that. But first, let's get right to it because Tom Brady, like we all, like when we talk about LeBron, right? We'll talk about how he has rabbit ears because he hears a lot of the criticism. Sure. Why don't we say the same thing about Tom Brady? Because he clearly has rabbit ears, too, as after their game, which they completely dominated the charges, they came to town. Brady said afterwards, he said, everyone thought we sucks. Everyone thought we sucked. Yeah. So, like, he was clearly visibly motivated by that, heard a lot of the noise. Like, why doesn't he get the same criticism? I don't know, because you're whining. Like, that's a whiny approach. But, like, so on one hand, I have two, like, I'm kind of torn on it. Because it sounds whiny. You guys have been to, what, eight AFC championship games. You've got as many Super Bowls as you got. Like, yeah, some people thought that San Diego was going to beat you. Get over it, right? (laughs) Right. But, on the other hand, you know, it gives you, like, that's a little insight into a player's, like, mentality, right? Like, he came... Out of what round was Tom Brady drafted in? Six. Six. Six round. Like, he didn't start at Michigan until what year? Like, his senior year? Yep. Like, yeah, he's the GOAT, and, you know, an average fan just sees him as that, and you should, you should have this air of, of like invincibility, and you think he's like that, but, but we're vulnerable. Do you know what I mean? Like, at athlete's core, there's some vulnerability, and it's what propels a guy like Tom Brady, or Kobe, or MJ, whatever their little insecurity is, like, that's what propels them to be the goat, you know? So like, yeah. I actually think it's really true to who he is. Like he does have rabbit ears. Like he wants to continue to prove everybody who ever thought he couldn't do something wrong. I think it's definitely a motivational tactic. Like that's what this is about when he says that. And I think it's what drives him. I think it's what's always driven. Yeah. I think that's what makes him great. Right. That he's able to trick himself into working harder because think about it. He's playing 18, 19 years in the league. Sure. He's, you know, in 41, he's getting older like, I'm sure at some point he feels like mailing it in. Like, uh, yeah, I can just go get a check this week. I can keep playing. I can be okay. But I think this is what makes guys considered the greatest of all time because they want to put in that extra work to prove everybody wrong, even though when everybody admits he's the greatest of all time. When any ounce of complacency seeps in, you can't be the greatest. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't. And you're, whatever it is that you're doing, your, your, your output will slip. You know what I mean? Like, I became somewhat complacent as I got older. You know, I got older. I had kids and, you know, my interests lied in other places and when, and it was, like I could feel it. Like I didn't know it at the exact moment, but when I look back on a season, I'd be like, "Bro, you weren't like that wasn't yourself." But there's a reason. Like you, right. you started to become comfortable. You you weren't grinding like you used to grind. And so the great the greatest find reasons to 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 say they have doubters, to say they have you know a point to prove, and that that is what keeps them going. So I picked the Patriots to win this past yeah. weekend. So I was like, he's not talking about me. There were a ton. It was a very trendy pick to pick the Chargers this weekend. Sure. Very trendy. I did not think it was going to happen, but I do think it's going to come to an end in Kansas City. I do. I'm already out there thinking, all right, this run is about to come to an end. So if Brady wants bulletin board material, if he wants to get ticked off, I think it's going to come to an end. But yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to tune into our show right. to get it. But 
Like, does that mean like app? Cause I'm sure he's going to hear those same things. And now they actually, cause they were the favorite last week and they were four point favorite. This sure. year they actually are the underdog. He's going to play the same tactics. I just don't think it works this time. I, so here's two things again. I, first of all, I didn't see them just whooping San Diego's tail like that. Although I should have, because again, there was a lot of travel. I mean, sorry, Los Angeles, <laughs> but it, whatever. I'm going to call them whatever, hey, whatever exactly. I want to call them. That's what it is. But, um, I didn't see him getting whooped like they got whooped, like physically. But we should have because it was a lot of travel uh for that yeah. team going back and forth. There were a lot of reasons. The Patriots on on the rest week, again, you give a coaching staff like Bill Belichick and his two weeks to prepare for you. Right. Like you're probably gonna come out. But I do believe that you're right about them going into into Kansas City. Um they're just not the same team on the road in playoff games. They're great at home. Yep. And that's where that loss to the Dolphins where people were like you know, if they win that game and they don't give up that last play, the miracle in Miami or whatever it is, this is a home game for them. Yep. I think it is going to be, you know, the deciding factor. They got to go out to Kansas City and play that game. And what's interesting to me in this one is the juxtaposition at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. not only in age, you know, but like, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, a youthful, like, arrogance to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Like had, he had more energy than I've seen out of him this year. Yeah. When he actually helped him in on the, did you see the one run where he, there was like a pile by the end zone and he like jumped on it, helped push him over the end zone. And he was like more vocal than I've seen what, uh, from him all season long. But I think what you're seeing and what you're going to see this weekend is a true passing of the torch. Right. Because I think you're seeing Tom Brady, and it's not to say they won't be relevant next year. They'll be good. As long as he's playing, I think they'll be good because I think he has that chip, and I think he'll still perform at a high level. But I do feel like there is a significant transition that's going to take place, and it's going to take place this weekend, and it's Patrick Mahomes taking over for Tom Brady. You think Tom Brady slipped this year? Like if you're you're watching them, so, like I think he has. I think they're very subtle. Like right. I don't think it's like all of a sudden off the cliff because right. that's a lot of times what people assume. Like oh, it's just gonna be all of a sudden. It's a gradual awful. thing at times. I think it's been gradual. I think he's aware of his age more, so like he chucks it and ducks a lot more. Like I think yeah. he doesn't want to take the big protecting himself, which is smart. And I but here's a bigger issue, and this is what I think the Patriots need to address and why they signed Josh Gordon. They don't have that many weapons around him. Gronk wasn't as effective. Yeah. Really all he's had is his guy, Julian Edelman. And Sony Michelle was nice yesterday and had a pretty nice game. But if they if they want to have another run like this or get to a Super Bowl, they're gonna have to give him more weapons to work with. And especially I, at his age. So I feel like yeah, when you have a team that doesn't have weaponry like that, in two weeks you can get a gangster game plan ready. To, to, yes. to take advantage of the things that are there. But I don't know that one week is enough time because you're going to be outmanned all over that field. Right. Like, you know, you're out there trying to, trying to deal with, uh, what's to get Tyreek, uh, Hill and, yeah. and, uh, Jason Kelsey, a better version of Gronk right now. And, or is it Tra- Jason or Travis? Travis. Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, so you're going to be outmanned. I don't know that week's enough. Let me ask you about Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Cause he's, he's fascinating. I love to watch him. Um, how in the heck can he repeatedly throw footballs? From like almost below his shoulder level, Danny. That looks like you tear a rotator cuff or something like that. So I, I actually saw Nick Foles do it yesterday once, but I see him do it all the time. Yeah. I think he's just a creative mind. And I think, you know, his dad was a baseball player. So right. I'm sure he played a lot of baseball. So you kind of learn how to do that. Like you learn how to throw from different arm angles, whether you're turning to at shortstop or whatever it is. I think it's just. Some guys are just like when you watch certain guys throw, it looks very mechanical, right? right? Like it looks like they've been coached up and they're going to get there. And I think even Brady at this point in his career looks kind of mechanical, right? Not to say that he's a mechanical thrower because he's a natural, but I think you see him focusing on his form more than ever. And I think Mahomes is just a natural thrower of the football, and that's why he can make the no look passes. That's why he can drop it down. It just looks very comfortable in his hand. Would you teach a kid 
basketball, there's there's this new school of thought. Like they don't teach them like they used to teach them. My son's a quarterback, right? Yep. He works with quarterback coaches. Would you start teaching a kid, right? If this is trending, would you start teaching kids to throw like not to yeah. throw like that? I give them mechanically. Yeah, sound of course. Stuff, but would that be something that you incorporate in their workout so they learn that if they're not so, playing baseball or another sport? Steve Deberg was my quarterback coach, probably one of the better quarterback coaches I had throughout my career. Yeah. He played for seventeen years. He was you know he was he had just finished his career. And he obviously had a successful career, so he knew what it took. There's one, there's something to be said about having your footwork right and your, you know, arm throwing motion clean. But what he really taught us was the improvisation, like throwing off balance. And right. he would, it sounds kind of corny, but you see these drills all the time. It's when you grab a broom or a big blocking dummy and you're out there and you're waving it all around so that that clean throw isn't there. It's never going to be there. Correct. Like, I mean, it'll be there a couple times a game where it's just perfect and you can step back and set your feet. Most of the time, you're going to be throwing off rhythm, off kilter, like in yeah. different environments. The pocket might be nice, but there might be three guys there in front of you. They're all trying to block your pass down, so you do have to drop it down. Right. I would absolutely teach them those kinds of things after the basics are already laid After down. the basics, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that game's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to watch that one go. Uh, I think the key for the Patriots and for the Chiefs, you know, conversely, is the Chiefs' defense, which everybody bashes. I was thinking about this this morning. They're Brady, better at home, bro. They're better at home. Brady Quinn and I were talking about this and it just kind of hit me because they get bashed all the time. They're 31st against the pass. Yeah. 31st in total defense. But you know why? It's because their offense is so good. They're always up 21 or, you know, 14 points. So the other team is forced to throw a lot. Right. And so they're giving up a lot of cheap yardage late in games. They're third in the league in sacks, which are, uh, excuse me, they're fourth in the league in sacks. Which I think is going to be the most important statistic that you'll see play out in this against Brady, because that's Brady. when you get after him, he he changes, right? Yes, exactly. Excuse me, there's six in the sacks. I was looking at the postseason sacks, um, because if you look at Brady historically, the times that he's been beaten, the Super Bowl against the Giants when they were undefeated, an AFC Championship game in Denver, he was beat up, like he was hit a lot, yep. and that's where I think the the Kansas City Chiefs will have a lot of success. I think they'll be able to get pressure on Tom Brady, much like they did against Philip Rivers in the regular season when Philip Rivers came to town. The second matchup, the NFC matchup, Rams Saints. Yeah, this one's gonna be fun. You know why? It's got more stuff going on. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot more stuff, stuff going yeah. on. Significantly, Marcus Peters, because after the first time when they got beat, he had some choice words for Sean Payton. All right. On him one Tell on Sean one. Payton, keep talking that shit. We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Fair enough. Yeah, because I like what he was saying on the sidelines, too. So yeah. tell him keep talking that shit, and I hope you see me soon. You feel me? And then we're going to have a good little, nice little bowl of gumbo together. <laughs> I love it. Marcus Peters is like one of those guys that you love. He's passionate. Yeah. Talks a lot of trash. Sometimes it gets in trouble. It costs him a little bit, but I I love dudes like that on my team. On your team, yeah, yeah on, on my your team. team. He's yeah, the guy I don't you want, love when he's on your team. But it's also like it's sometimes you know there's going to be boneheaded plays when you're like, oh man, again, yeah. Marcus. But like I love that stuff. Like that stuff will play out in the locker room. Those guys, but both teams will be playing it back. So I like I like like him and what's the other corner out there? Is it a Talib? Uh, Talib back this week. It's another another personality, right? Yeah. And you know who I love from the Saints? Like this is no football breakdown, but I love Mark Ingram and um and uh, <laughs> Alvin what's Kamara. Alvin Kamara with, with the mask ski mask after. on? Like <laughs> they got the bag. This this seems like a more like. I don't know, what's the word I want to use? Not as buttoned up NFL type of matchup, right? Like yeah. there's like when you it see is. guys in ski masks in post in, in post game <laughs> interviews, right. right? And this cat talking about gumbo and 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 Sean Payton talking that 
Like, right. I like this. This is a little I more gutter. This is a little more gutter than your normal game. Because Sean Payton's a coach, dude. I don't think many people know this. Like, he's a trash talker himself. Right. There's been a lot of times they played, I forget what I think it was the Falcons they were playing. He gave the choke signal on the sideline, like to a player on the other side of the game. And clearly he was talking smack to Marcus Peters in that game because he called him out after. You ever had coaches talk, talk crazy to you? No, not, not crazy. Now see, it's a lot easier in the NBA because you're closer to them. Like yeah. you're quarter like every once in a while, but like I never paid attention. Like everybody's cursing at you when you're on the other side and like just get out, you know, get out of here. You suck. All that kind of stuff. Right. But you can't really hear if it's directed at you. Coaches in the NBA though are a lot closer. Yeah. To you. There's some that talk. Phil Jackson. I don't know that Phil he Jackson talked. wasn't talking. Yeah, but I don't know that he talked like he didn't talk to you directly. But he would say stuff about you, like to the referee, knowing that you could hear it, like right. calling you, like he's dirty or he's doing it, like you know what I mean. And yeah. he knew what he was doing to try to get under your skin. But my worst moment, did Lute Olson, the old coach at Arizona, is he still alive? Did he pass? Yeah, yeah, I think he's still, he's still alive. alive. So sure. I don't know. I, I don't but that out. we played in a tournament um, in Arizona. It was their tournament, and we were at FIU. We had surprisingly beat Penn State. We were Penn State's cupcake, and they played a cupcake. So. There we sit playing Arizona in front of Arizona's fans. It's like Jason Terry, Luke Walton, Richard Jefferson, like all, all of these guys, like AJ Bramlett, and we are beating them. Like we're having a game and I'm having a game and me and Jason Terry are going back and forth. There was a loose ball like around the free throw line and we were physical. Like we didn't look, you know, we came in from Miami, like he called me a thug. Oh. I lost it. <laughs> I said, you need to sit down, you old redneck. And the whole place just went quiet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, you – like, I was a young, dumb dude. Right. You know what I mean? But he had gotten under my skin that day. And then from then on, I was like, you know what, Rob? You don't need to be, like, talking That's to coaches. coaches. Talk to the players. Right. But let the coaches do what they do. So it's kind of a license as a coach to run your mouth because what can a player do? Right, exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CBS Sunday. After the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it's funny how life works, right? Because I think there's one word that determines a lot of your life situations, yeah. and it's leverage. Mm-hmm. If you have leverage, it can be a great thing. If you don't, you can feel helpless sometimes. Right. Kyler Murray has leverage in the situation that he's in. Because after he was drafted by the Oakland A's, he got his $4.66 million signing bonus. Everybody's like, all right, well, that's his option if he plays baseball. Then he goes out there, wins the Heisman Trophy. He's been flirting that decision. We've talked a lot about it this week. And all of a sudden, you're finding out that there might be some other options available for Kyler Murray, sure. who has to declare today if he's going to come out for the NFL draft. And the Oakland A's are saying, hold on a second. We spent our first-round pick on him. We want him. We want him to play for us. We want him to pass on the NFL. His agent, Scott Boros, who is one of the – we were texting the other day. I said he's an evil genius. Yeah. So you want that in your agent. Sure. You want to have an agent who's sure. an evil genius. He's saying – 
we can make something work. He could pass up. You want to pay up some more money. Yeah. And so there was a lot of information going around. Some of it was accurate. Some of it wasn't. But the bottom line is baseball and the A's can go ahead and bump his salary up. They could give him more guaranteed money, but it would have to be a major league contract, which is really unprecedented. You don't right. see this happen a lot. And I'm like, good for Kyler Murray. But deep down, I wonder what really is driving this. Is his agent trying to drive up prices or is this Kyler Murray really wants to play football and the A's are making it really hard on him? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that's a tough one. He's about to flip this system potentially on its head. I have a question for you about his agent, Scott Boris. Does he represent NFL clients? I don't believe so. I don't know if he's registered or not. I don't think so. Because that's interesting, right? Because if he's not going to reap any of the potential NFL benefits, right? Like, that's a whole nother little, like, wrinkle in it, right? Because yeah. agents, like, look, I've had agents... Um, that represent other clients that make moves sometimes that will benefit both clients because he'll eat off of both clients' salary. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. so you'd have to think that Scott Boris wants him to have, like play baseball, right? Because that's right where he's to get that get paper, finish. right? Yeah. So, like, you know, it, it is interesting. I have no idea. Again, I, I got to give Kyler Murray and his people, his camp, a whole lot of credit for being just as close to the vest as you can be because without that you don't wind up with all of this leverage absolutely no one knows where his heart lies or what he really wants to do right and that creates you know some of that leverage that you have because no one has any insight there's a narrative that's been out there for a while now it's starting to bother me it didn't bother me at first but now i'm like hold on a second and that narrative is oh he's definitely going to choose baseball and the money is i think we've straightened that out because i don't think it's as great a difference as people think right but it's oh baseball's safer like he's he, baseball safer, so he's going to take the safer one. Or even worse, some people make fun of the CT and say, "Oh well, you know, he wants to be able to remember his kids' names, or he wants to be able to live till he's 50, which really bothers me. But I think it shows you the desperation. A lot of it comes from baseball writers. Yeah, baseball desperately needs Kyler Murray to pick them. This is this is a huge loss for them if they oh if he skips to the NFL. They don't. They, it's 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 over. Right. No, and it's already it already is struggling for relevance. But think about how many in the past ten years. How many first round baseball draft picks can you name? None. Right. I don't think I can. I can't. Maybe one or two if I really like really search my brain. Everybody knows who Kyler Murray is. And he wasn't even the number one overall pick in the baseball draft. Right. He's instant credibility, instant celebrity, instant like brand for Major League Baseball. And here's the thing. He could choose baseball and not be any good. Cause you sure. see it all the time. Guys get selected in the first round and it's not the same as the NFL. You do not just, he'll get the money. From the major league, but it doesn't mean he's going to be good. Guys get weeded out all the time through the minor league system. Um, like baseball needs this for like black folks. Right, they, they do. do. They need they it. Like, and I'd be, I don't mean to be like that's real that, talk. Like, you you need this, right? Because they're like, it's not. I grew up playing baseball, right? Like, I lived on an island, and baseball was like this. When I got here, like to Miami, um, and I started going to middle school, and I looked around, nobody's playing baseball. Right. That's football and basketball. Like that's a whole percentage of the population athletically, like that, that have no interest in, in, in your sport really. Do you know what I mean? This would be a major coup for baseball in terms of, you know, that, that, uh, that segment of population. Right. They could use it. And I wonder if that's, I mean, MLB has marketing executives going to pitch market yeah. and how they can make all the money. I didn't right. think about that aspect of it. Let's bring in our boy, uh, Pete Prisco in here to discuss this a little bit. Cause I'm curious to hear Pete's, uh, Recommendation. If you were advising Kyler Murray, what would you tell him to do? Really? Just stand pat. <laughs> By the way, I got a hit in the office at 1230. I didn't think you guys were ever going to get to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, if, I, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm going to play the system. Right? You play the system. 
You, you got to take advantage of your, your, you can, like you said, he has leverage. Do everything you can to get everything you possibly can out of the A's. Look, where's he going in, in the NFL? Is he going to be a first round pick? I mean, the, the work hasn't even started on him yet. For me, that's a big risk. Five, nine, 175, 180 pound quarterback. Uh, you know, look, we've, we've, uh, the scales have come down. We see Baker Mayfield. We see what Drew Brees does. But those guys, and Russell Wilson, but those guys are thick. This is a little smallish quarterback. I, I, I'll be curious to see what his draft evaluation tells me. If he can get $15 million out of the Oakland A's, take it and go, go play baseball. Yeah, there's a part of me that wonders if all of this is just like behind, it's just negotiations and they're just trying to get more money from, uh, from baseball. Like, does he really, but I do think he would get drafted fairly high. I don't know if he'd go top 10. But I think all of this baseball stuff would scare NFL guys. So that's what we, we'll have to keep an eye on that because it's going to be one of the most interesting storylines of this offseason. All right, the Dallas Cowboys got eliminated from the playoffs in L.A., which brings us to the future of Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett. Pete, if you're Jerry Jones, which, I mean, it's already kind of – he's going to keep them around. It's like he hasn't done anything, and he's made – when they were awful this season, he was backing them. You don't expect any change here, do you, in Dallas? No, and if I were Jerry Jones, I'd be just like Jerry Jones. I'd be the GM of my own franchise. <laughs> uh, and, but to answer your question, I, I don't think there are going to be changes. I really don't. I, I think, you know, when you look at uh, Jason Garrett, he's very loyal to him. He likes him. Uh, he believes in him. He played there. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be changes. And, and Garrett came out today and said there's not going to be major changes to the staff, which means Scott Linehan's likely back as offensive coordinator. That's not a good thing for Dak Prescott, by the way. I think they need to get creative with the offense. It's very stale. As far as Dak Prescott, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you don't give him a long-term contract, you're going to be out there in the pool looking for guys. Uh, and it's not a great pool. If you do give him a long-term contract, He's got it. You're going to pay him a hefty price for a guy that probably isn't, you know, top 15 quarterback in the league. So, uh, again, I go back to what I always say about Prescott. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Pete, let me ask you about the Patriots real quick because there's been a lot of talk about people writing them off, not believing in them and so on and so forth. Um, what do you see this sh- shaking down like in, in Kansas City with the, with the two, the young quarterback, the older quarterback changing of the guard? Uh, talk about it. My concern is is the Chiefs' defense, and I know they played well against the Colts, but th- this Patriots' offense, when when they get time and and time to prepare, and Brady can stand back there and pick you apart, he he is a surgical uh, master of that, and I think we saw that against uh, against the Chargers. If I'm Kansas City, I'm not playing much zone. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't. The corners aren't great in Kansas City; they're good enough. But you got to go down swinging. We saw that with the Chargers. They sat back in that cover three scheme, and he just ripped it to shreds. You have to take your shots in this NFL. Any teams that get caught playing a majority of zone nowadays, you're just asking for trouble. I think they have to go after them. But, look, they're the Patriots. This is the new Chiefs. I love watching the Chiefs play. But all the pressure's on the Chiefs at home, A, all the pressure's on Andy Reid, and we know that the Patriots can rise up in this kind of situation. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the Patriots go in there and win that game. Who impressed you more this past weekend, the Saints or the Rams? The Rams. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and I think the Rams can win uh, in New Orleans. I know it's tough to win in the Superdome, and it's tough to beat Drew Brees there. And, and But I just think this Rams team, with what they did offensively, pounding the football the way they did, that's a good Dallas defense. And they ran on them at will. And they pushed them around in two different types of styles of run, too. Usually they're a wide zone team. Team, but when C.J. Anderson went in the game, they went to more power, and, and it worked both ways. 
So bottom line is, I think that, the, you know, the Saints got to stop that run without Sheldon Rankins, who tore his Achilles tendon. That's going to be tough to do. So I do think that uh, my lean right now, and it's an early lean, is probably to the Rams. All right, good stuff, Pete. All right, welcome back, Kenel and Bell. Let's finish off some leftovers. So the Celtics have been all over the map this year. They were off they the rails, problems, then they were winning. Now problems. they had a rough loss the other night. Kyrie Irving is calling out some of the younger players on the team after the loss the other night. He said, the young guys don't know what it takes to be championship-level team, what it takes every day. And if they think it's hard now, what do they think it will be like when we're trying to get into the finals? Uh, he continued, there were no expectations last year. Everyone played free and easy. Everyone surpassed whatever they expected for themselves. This year, we all have high expectations, the players, the coaches, everyone, and that's good. We aren't doing it yet. Interesting thing is that you know what else they didn't have last year? It was Kyrie Irving on the court. Ayo, <laughs> shots, bro. Um, I like Kyrie. I'm a Kyrie fan. I am too. I'm no, 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 no. I'm like, just qualifying. Going shade at everybody. Yeah. They have better some, without him last year. They have year. some issues. Um, you had the players only meeting. You came out of that and you were good. When you have a players only meeting, it speaks to a little bit of dysfunction. Like After, every time I hear players only meet, I'm like, that team's in trouble. Something's not good there. <laughs> right. All right. So you come out of it, you look good for a while. I think that usually happens, right? Then they get right back to it. Like in Miami with the loss, you have, and I don't mean the loss, but the Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown thing. It is Marcus, right? I don't know. It's Marcus Morris or is it Marcus? No, I think it's Marcus. All right. They have this pushing match. Like, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. I doesn't look good, but all right. Then you go to Orlando. The last second play, Gordon Hayward throws the ball to Jason Tatum in the corner. And if you stayed after that, like you had Kyrie approach Gordon Hayward from, you know, up the court yelling at him about the decision. Gordon trying to defend himself, right? And then Brad Stevens in the middle, like reading his lips. He's talking about, guys, we're good. We're good. We're good. Basically, like, like let's just get this into the locker room before we have this, like, blow up out here. Right. There's something, um, uh, like, wrong in Boston. And I don't know if you just have too many guys that want to do the same thing or if you have too many young guys that want to have more of a lion's share of the load. I don't know what it is, but something's funky there. When I was growing up, my parents, they told me this later. They told me this late. Like, I think they gave it advice for me when I was getting married. Yep. They were like, we never argued in front of our kids. Now they had, fight, they had fights, sure. had, but they would never do it in front of us. Yeah. If I was a head coach of a team, that's kind of the message I would be like, it's okay to disagree with each other. It's okay to get mad at each other, but let's keep it in the locker room if you can. I get it's going to happen sometimes, but when you air out your dirty laundry and other people are seeing it, it's going to make an uncomfortable situation even more uncomfortable because sure. now the press is writing about now it. We got now it. they're saying what is going on and you can't keep it under wraps and that's gonna like and it feels like this team does have some dysfunction to it and you just wonder like because it's when it's when you're winning if you're still having dysfunction after a five-game win streak and then you lose one game and it's already back yeah and you're having dysfunction through that what is going to happen when you do start you're dropping in the playoff season sure when 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 the losing starts like all of that becomes exacerbated and i've always said about this team um that they have too many guys not only with the same skill set, Danny, but with the same in the same place in their career. Like really, really good teams have like a, a, a scattering. Like, and yeah. they have some guys, but Next. you don't want a bunch of young guys that all have this electric talent with the ball and scoring all on one team, all super young, looking to make their mark on the NBA. There's a natural butting of heads, friction, and ball should be mine type of mentality when you've got all of that. Danny's been accruing this talent for a while, like. He's been fleecing other general managers yep. to get all this. Now is the time that you get rid of some of these young assets and you make a run at an Anthony Davis or somebody like that to pair with whichever ones you want to keep. But th- there's a shelf life on what you've got there right now. Uh, do you think they should make any trade? No, that, yes. 
They should. Do. They should take some of this. Some like, of the young or, talent that you're talking about. It's yeah, all and it could be like I was talking to Brad Bakken off air the other day about it. Like you've got again, you've got Marcus Smart, you've got Terry Rozier, eh, whichever one you like more, keep them. But I, I, it would be one of those things where I'll give you one of them. You pick one. Then you got Jason Tatum and you've got uh, Jalen Brown. Like maybe one of those things. Like uh, I'd rather you take Jalen Brown, but if you took Jason Tatum and a combination of Jason Tatum and either Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier and something else got me AD. Let me get AD. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm in that situation if I'm the Boston Celtics now where I have to bring in someone who's not in that same window with them and offers me a different skill set, preferably, you know, Anthony Davis because he's, right. he's unreal. Right. You right. Know? And I think too, sometimes in teams, everybody has to know their role. Like, yeah. and like Absolutely. if they're all trying to do the same, fulfill the same role, then you have a problem. Right. It's just, it becomes more and more of an issue. Uh, did, have you had your jersey retired anywhere? Yeah. I got my jersey retired at FIU. That. Yeah. Man. One of three in the it's Raptors. In, it is yeah. in the Raptors. Yeah, it is. Um, do you think any NBA team will do it? Yeah, right. I think there might be hope for you. <laughs> yeah, I think there right. might be hope. I think there could be. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder have retired Nick Collison's jersey. Do you know his career averages? Uh, probably like five a game. Yeah. Five, five and one yeah. and 177 <laughs> starts. So now we're basing retirement, jersey retirements on fan favorites. Yeah. Longevity in one place. But I mean, is that really what? No, but I, I mean, it feels to me like giving a trophy it to is everybody around there. It's a gift to Nick, but Nick was I'm like a jersey, like a framed jersey, like we have in our studio here, and say here with a little plaque underneath. Says <laughs> you don't need to be in your Raptors. I, there does need to be a like steeper criteria for you being in the Raptors somewhere, right? Um, but it's the first one in OKC. Is am I? Is I first, believe it is. Yeah, the first one in OKC. So like, if you're gonna. If you're gonna start the tradition of putting jerseys in the Raptors by doing like maybe the the most favorite player of all, I'm okay with that. Um, I think it's stupid. you know what one of my regrets is like playing, not having that relationship with the fan base. Yeah, I mean, what was your longest stint in one year? Probably Phoenix, and that was like three and a half years. And I had a five year deal. I really wanted to retire there, but it just got you know like things happened, and they could get Jason Richardson and Jared Dudley, and it worked out for them, you know, but. You know, I wasn't in a position to do that. Like, you know, I, I, I had to make a living and I, right. but I do, that's one of my regrets. I wouldn't trade it. Like right. I wouldn't trade the living that I made and the people that I met and the experiences that I had, but it would have been cool to have a relationship with the fan base, you know, where you walk around Miami and they're like, See, that's what yeah, I'm, you know what I mean? It's more because, and I never had that luxury. I was just trying to get, just trying to make squads. Yeah, me too. But if you do have, even if it's in the NFL, if you last six or seven years in one franchise, Ideally, like 10 years. You're theirs. You're, and then you're set for the rest yeah. of your life to kind of go back. It's a home for you. It's like an extended family. You're a giant. Your kids back. Right, sure. I brought my kids to the Giants game. I mean, I'm sure some fans would be like, all right, but they'd be like, all right, get this guy off the field. Yeah. But like, it's just, it's not the same relationship. I think the Suns, the Suns want to bring me back a lot to stuff like Steve's Jersey retirement. They always offer me to come back and, and be at like whatever night they have for thing. They're really good about it. I just, I never go because I'm busy, but you know who gives me the most opportunity? To go back to the city is the the franchise that had the least amount of Falcons. Season. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I get stuff from them all the time. They just happen to have like the best alumni. Group. Sure, sure. So they're always like come back, which is pretty cool when you get to do that. It type is of stuff. If you could coach in either the NBA or college basketball, what would you choose? The college basketball, like hands down, easy yeah. decision. Why? I think it'd be easy for me. Um, you wouldn't worry about recruiting. Like, you know where I'd really that? like to coach at a small college, right? Where like like FIU. I, yeah, yeah, you throw straight it up. Like, <laughs> no, no, but I mean, about one that wasn't, one that didn't 
how you didn't have to compete to win national championship type of thing. So like that grind wouldn't be as heavy. Like a D two school. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? Like you could you could maybe Fun. be there. You, yeah, you can have your family more involved. It's not as taxing on your personal life. I don't I don't know that people realize how much time commitment it is to be a high level D one coach, an NBA coach, someone in your front office, like those you never see your family. When I tell you I never saw my family in Cleveland, right. I'd have my kids like I was that like that cliche of like the kids looking out the door at daddy getting in the car leaving again. Like right. and I would like tear my heart out. I couldn't like those jobs I don't want anymore. I was that's why I didn't get into coaching, period. Yeah. Is because I saw how much time they put into them and I'm similar to you. Like I wanted yeah. to be able to see my kids. Didn't want to have to move around yeah. every couple years that you're out there. If you were a basketball coach, do you think you could defend a last second shot against Duke? Because oh, my Florida I, I, let State me, Seminoles let me give had you a, a rough loss the other day. Cam don't Reddish. leave Cam Reddish. If you're going to leave anybody, don't leave Cam Reddish. That's that was, the last thing I say before they go out. That was a dagger right there. Just killed me. The best shooter on the floor. Just let him have a wide open. I could have made that shot. Syracuse is Zion. Zion is playing tonight. Take Syracuse. Exactly.